Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Today, we welcome James White, General Manager of Banking at Total Expert, to the Banking Transform podcast. In today's digital world, understanding customers and delivering personalized experiences have become critical capabilities for banks to drive growth. However, many financial institutions still struggle to gain a complete view of each customer and orchestrate relevant engagements across all channels. Our discussion with James White explores how banks and credit unions can leverage customer intelligence, personalized journeys, and leverage human plus digital touch points to transform relationships and build performance. More than ever, financial institutions must transform all levels of engagement in banking by using customer intelligence and personalized messaging. By aggregating data to build 360-degree views of the customer, banks and credit unions can increase relevance, drive more revenue, build market share, and create lifelong loyalty. These are the keys to banking, but sometimes they're not as easy as they seem. So James, welcome to the show. Could you introduce yourself and give our listeners a quick look at your extensive background and describe Total Expert for those who may be unfamiliar with your firm? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hello. Thanks for having me. My name is James White. I've spent my whole adult life uh, helping banks and credit unions grow, whether that was uh, through uh, technology and implementing technology, both on uh, the ancillary or core side to uh, Radden Financial, which we helped uh, through benchmarking, research, analytics, consumer behavior, and consulting help uh, community banks and credit unions grow. So everything from check imaging to research and analytics for the C-suite. So tell us a little bit about what Total Expert does. Yeah, so Total Expert, uh, we are a fintech, and one of the things that we uh, really are proud of is uh, what I would call we are action forward. So in the industry, a lot of platforms have leveraged investment in order to normalize data. And what we do is obviously normalize data because that is required, but really focus on the action side. And so our platform is a marketing automation as well as a customer engagement or member engagement platform where we're able to to drive relevance and intent for personalization for engagement of either customers or members. You know, that's interesting to say that because a lot of our solutions out there, they're really, and we talked a little bit about before we got on air, but there are so many great solutions out there. So many composable solutions that financial institutions can put to work. But the challenge is a lot of times, many organizations don't really think about that final mile. You know, I use Salesforce as an example, an extraordinarily powerful platform, a very good platform. But I can show you that a lot of organizations have Salesforce in place, but they're not really using it. They're not using it for its most powerful ability to go forward. So let's dig right in. Can you share your perspective on why relationship banking is gaining importance in today's financial landscape and the shift of importance from building just better experiences to building stronger engagement? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that benefits you and I both personally is the way the world works is what's old is new again. So you and I are new again. And uh, we've gotten away from relationship banking. That was uh, something of the 80s and, and 90s, maybe the early 2000s, and have really gotten so focused on transactions 
that it has uh, really uh, fractioned all of our customer base and, and caused us problems, even though there were there were benefits to it as well. But now, uh, because of deposit runoff and because of the lack of loyalty, lack of interactions with our customers or members, we've got to focus on uh, that relationship side. And so many other industries have done a great job of manufacturing that loyalty uh, of those consumers and and banking, we've got to do the same. And the way we do that is through engaging our customers or members and building that relationship the way that we have done in the past, even though it's a little bit different. In the past, we did it person to person. Now it has to be a balance of high tech and high touch. You know, it's so interesting because we talk about this, as you mentioned, relationship banking and and trying to use data to drive some type of increase in relationships. But unfortunately, as I've written about it, there's so many organizations that are are losing touch with the fact that they have silent attrition going on. I, I'm at events quite often and I'll have people raise their hand if they've closed any major financial relationship in the last five years. And virtually nobody raised their hand. Most people don't close relationships. And then I ask them, how many of you have opened some type of relationship that's a financial relationship outside your traditional bank that may help you with a specific problem, a specific solution that's being delivered or something like that? And virtually everybody raised their hand. I said, look around the room. This is a sign of attrition that's going on because you haven't given the consumer a reason to stay connected with you. And therefore, your primary financial institution loses more and more of that relationship value because you haven't built engagement. So what are some examples that you can give around the difference between a transactional, you know, conversation and what's going on in this the sphere of building better engagement? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, just to build on your point, uh, Accenture released a re uh, global banking report uh, earlier this year, and 82% of uh, the younger demographics, 24 and below, had opened a new financial account outside of their primary banking uh, relationship uh, in the last 18 to 24 months. On the flip side, only 34% uh, greater than the age of 65 have done the same. You know, so we've, we've got to engage, especially those younger uh, consumers. And so what we've seen is this whole shift, and you can actually see it by how a bank or credit union measures success uh, on focusing on the, the transaction uh, where uh, I'm coming into a branch Typically, it's now these days more for a complex transaction than uh, it is for a deposit and cash back like it has been historically, but that still occurs. And it's so focused on that interaction and the success of that transaction because uh, the bank and credit union is so focused on making sure that the service is uh, of a high quality uh, that they aren't necessarily interacting with that customer or member in a meaningful way, making sure that they're talking to them about financial wellness, uh, as an example, which has been a hot topic for a couple of years, or, you know, talking to them about things that are going on in their life so that you can help identify, you know, future intent, uh, you know, things of that sort. So one of the, the cultural items, I believe, for banks and credit unions is they don't feel like they should sell to their customers or members because they don't want to come across as selling, even though they should be selling through service because I would argue if you're a community bank or a credit union, uh, it's your responsibility to keep your customer or member financially healthy. 
if you believe in your products and services and you believe that they are better than everybody else's, then you should be offering uh, them to keep your, your customer member financially healthy. And so just uh, the so focus on that interaction and the transaction being successful. And you see that through transaction surveys, as an example. Uh, and instead of relationship surveys, which is the, the thing that everybody used to be focused on, as we're going to uh, send a, a re- survey out and focus on relationship and thoughts of the brand and you know all those things. Well, now it's all about NPS scores and uh, the, the transaction success. I would argue if you can't take a deposit and give cash back, you probably shouldn't be working at the bank or credit union. We don't need to send a survey out to the customer member and see if that was okay. You know, it's really more about the relationship. Well, yeah. And, you know, most consumers now take good service or great service even as being bottom line. You know, that's why I'm there. And and if you're not getting that, that's why they leave or they look for other services. You know, a consumer now is looking for simplicity, speed and empathy. And the empathy part is the part that really takes the data as you look at it and really takes it and says, I want the what I call the GPS of financial services as opposed to rearview mirror. I don't want to know what I've already done because you can tell me I overdrew my account. What I want you to do is understand my relationship enough to help me warn myself about, oh, by the way, you, you need to make a deposit or you need to look at your financial relationships differently than you do today. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see banks facing today in the whole idea of understanding their customers and personalizing engagements. Yeah. So uh, first, just to to re uh, to add on to what you were, were saying, I recently read a book uh, called Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gadara, and what he talks about is service is black and white. That's the black and white. The hospitality or the way you make them feel is the color in between. And so the service is, um, that's table stakes. Uh, no one uh, in financial services, for the most part, delivers poor service. Right. It's about that, that relationship. And then uh, banks and credit unions, for a couple of things, I think, uh, really hinder them. One is uh, the culture. Uh, and it has to start at the, the top and, and work its way down to be, you know, focused on truly the, the relationship and the, the interaction uh, with the, the customer or member versus making sure that the transaction is successful. And, and then uh, then you've got the overwhelming concern around data. Uh, you know, data at a bank or a credit union is an absolute mess these days from all the M&A activity that has occurred over the years. Uh, the legacy systems that are out there. Culturally, those vendors uh, had not wanted to uh, allow other platforms to connect in. And, you know, that's how you ended up with the bundled solutions from your core provider uh, over the years. Now, through, you know, open banking and, you know, a shift in just the way technology works, that's much different now. Uh, but it can be overwhelming. It's, it's like, okay, that, that sounds great, Jim and James, but where do I start? And, and so, uh, it's a crawl, walk, run. You know, you can have a personalized experience with, uh, say, for example, CDs, because everybody cares about CDs right now, with four or five data elements. You don't need to know uh, that customer or member's uh, social security number and what kind of car they drive and their kids' names to be able to have a personalized experience. You know, with And so start with small steps and then build onto it. 
And every journey start, starts with the first step, right? Yep. So how does total, you know, I'm sorry, most banks and credit unions realize that their data sucks. It's in silos. It's not clean in many cases. And it almost provides them an excuse for not moving forward. How does Total Expert assist financial institutions in making their data platform ready, at least even in a small component of their business? How do, how do you make that work? Because I know so many institutions will not move forward because they're concerned about what their data looks like, when the reality is every day you wait is a lost day. You can't get that back. Yeah, I agree. Uh <laughs> Uh, I have a, an a analogy about that that I find uh, funny. Uh, waiting to move forward with personalization because your data uh, might not be clean is like not going outside wearing shorts because your legs are white. You know, uh, the only way they get tan is to see the sun, yeah. you know, and so uh, you got to start somewhere. And so getting that data, uh, what we do is first off, uh, we break down the myth that you've got to have uh, 50 data sources and 50 data elements in order to be personalized because that's what uh, we've been doing in this industry since the 90s when really uh, data warehouses started to become popular is you know getting all this data and focus on normalized. What we do is start on just very simple uh, data elements uh, that also limits our uh, compliance uh, risk and concerns uh, as well. We don't have to worry about PCI or you know account numbers or you know, pans or anything like that. Just focus on uh, as a great example uh, would be uh, you can identify that someone has a tremendous amount of equity in their home. All you need to know is um, their age and income, and then you can personalize that. If they're a younger demographic, uh, then perhaps you want to offer them a, uh, a HELOC or a home equity. Uh, perhaps if you see that they have other debt out there, then you can offer them a, a cash out refi to, to help them, you know, debt consolidate. But if they're over 50, maybe uh, and you're into reverse mortgages, maybe you offer them a reverse mortgage instead. But you don't send a 72 year old uh, a home equity, you know, offer and, and you don't send a. 29-year-old, uh, a reverse mortgage offer. But it doesn't take a tremendous amount, uh, just in one example, you know? Yeah. Can, can you provide some examples of how bank and fintech company, companies have really successfully transitioned to a relationship-driven model or engagement model and what lessons that others can learn from these experiences? Yeah. And there's uh, that's a great question. There's a lot of uh, uh, articles out there that you can read as well. I mean, there is a concern around fintechs um, and what uh, placement that they are as far as funding and things like that and compliance and risk. And, and there's great ways that you can can score a vendor to ensure that they're in the place you want them to be. Uh, and But then it's leveraging uh, the ability to pivot, the ability to be innovative by the fintech uh, and for us to have uh, a more... Uh, innovative culture uh, to be able to solve uh, these problems and then bolt on to these legacy platforms uh, in a, a new and, and interesting way where things uh, like almost real time is, uh, is nothing for a fintech, which is something that's a big deal for legacy platforms so that you can then uh, leverage just those small data elements to start to engage, whether that be online or mobile banking, 
uh, SMS, uh, you know, even some of the more legacy channels like print mail still not dead. You know, there, there are other ways uh, to do that. But uh, there's a lot of financial institutions that are overcoming that concern and really starting to see a big benefit. So it, it's interesting because every organization knows, number one, they have to build better experiences, which I, I still believe that that's a key element. Number two, more and more are talking about using data to provide, you know, prompts or relationships or build some type of engagement where you're going to work on behalf of the consumer, showing empathy, hopefully. And you talk about some really big platform issues and using of data. I would, I, from what you just said, it sounds like you're saying you start small. You can start with the low-hanging fruit, the things that don't take as much risk, but they bring some great value to build that platform. If a financial institution was to work with Total Expert and try to build, let's say, a, a platform around their lending platform, for instance, their lending product area, how long would that engagement take to get up and moving a little bit? Yeah, it really comes down to uh, how um, much resources they can dedicate on their side. Uh, we typically uh, would look at about a 90-day uh, time to value. So it takes us about uh, 90 days from start to finish to, to start to get value from the platform. Uh, and we have different ways to, to stagger you know, that so that we can start to get value as, in ROI as quickly as possible. Uh, but a lot of it really comes down to uh, allowing us the ability to connect in either via API or you know, take in flat files, if that's you know, the way that you so choose. You know, it's interesting. You know, we both get back to the day where almost everything we were working on was an annual plan. Everything was built into annual t- you know, cycles. And the reality is, what you just said is something I'm seeing that organizations now, especially smaller organizations, surprisingly, are really finding these solutions they can implement in a in a 30, 60 or 90 day period and then build the success to build the financing capability to move forward. And and it's great that, you know, companies like yours can really work on this composable basis to build you know, a relationship over time that that expands as opposed to saying, I've got to do a complete core conversion. So, you know, in a world where digital banking is on a rise and where we need to use data to build better experiences, how do you see technology playing a role in really improving financial relationships? Oh, yeah. So it, it's going to be or it continues to be huge. I mean, it's got you always have to have a balance of human and tech. You know, the human interaction is not going to go away, uh, but you have to understand the segment that you're talking to, you know, the demographic that you're talking to and have that balance shift according to that segment. You or I probably want a lot more human interaction uh, than our uh, children do. Uh, and so being able to, to leverage data uh, to be personalized, first off, which is table stakes these days. I mean, yeah. I, I think Amazon and Facebook and uh, X, the formerly known as Twitter, they, they've proven uh, personalization. And so the consumer just expects that now. You can lose more credibility by having something unpersonalized than you probably gain by having it personalized. But then, you know, we've been talking about this for, for years as uh, transaction or branch volume has slowed down. Every interaction is gold now with your customers or members as a financial institution. And you got to take that interaction seriously and, and make sure that you're providing, you know, something that helps build 
loyalty and credibility uh, and helps with that relationship, uh, as well as making sure that that transaction is easy and successful. So how do you help banks and credit unions determine the right time and the right channel to engage with customers? And members. Yeah. So uh, what the way I talk about it is there's two uh, factors. So first is relevance uh, and the second is intent. So first, you want to understand that customer or member well enough that you can provide a relevant uh, message to them. Yeah. And that can be very simple, like uh, census data, you know, age, income, uh, homeownership, presence of children, you know, those kinds of things. Uh, and then the other is really around uh, intent and intent. Actually, I, I just uh, had a piece drop uh, last week, I think, at uh, BAI around life events. And so what we're doing is building out this whole intent alert system uh, where we've started with uh, credit pulls. We have uh, home equity. We have uh, MLS posting if they post a house on the MLS. Uh, we have uh credit improvement and life events that, that are coming and we'll continue to add more and more so that as those items occur for your customers or members, now it's creating an alert that either can feed to automation so that you're starting to nurture that brand, whether that be a newsletter or financial wellness or sending it to a lead or a pop-up, you know, on a particular you know, online or mobile banking channel, you know, those types of things. So that whole encompass. Uh, re relevance and intent to together, I think, is important. So you you help a, a large number of financial institutions use their data to drive better engagement, to create better relationships, and to generate more loyalty and revenue. Give me one or two that really stand out in your memory as far as programs that really most financial institutions, financial institutions may not be aware of but give a great example of how Total Expert can partner with financial institutions to drive results. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen uh, great results uh, through our, what we call customer intelligence platform, which is that uh, alert system that we were just talking about, uh, where uh, we're able to, to drive leads uh, for your, your loan uh, officers, both on the retention play, you know, as you're starting to see um, customers start to look elsewhere. Uh, and then also on the, the flip side of, of cross-selling and growing those relationships, uh, we have a, a couple of institutions that really come to mind that have had uh, really, really strong ROIs. Uh, I personally believe that the best platforms out there, if you turn them off, the CFO will call begging to turn it back on. That's how you tell if there's a real ROI. Uh, and so uh, we've seen some institutions really uh, be able to in tough times, especially on the loan side uh, right now, uh, be able to uh, generate loan volume uh, and also uh, retain CDs uh, on the flip side. Uh, we've also seen institutions, which is really kind of unheard of, be able to crack the code on indirect auto uh, and being able to engage those indirect auto customers uh, and cross sell them into other products, uh, which is something that you know, most institutions have given up on indirect auto engagement uh, many years ago. So. so what are some strategies? You know, a lot of financial institutions now are still looking for deposits. They've never had to price deposits the way they are. You know, for the last 15 years, they never had to meet, visit an ALCO meeting because deposit rates were at the same level over and over and over again. 
how do financial institutions use data and insights within their own portfolio and outside to, to build better deposit flows in as opposed to simply leaving to chase the high rates? Yeah. So, well, and that, that actually could be a podcast all on its own, you know, how to, how to attract and retain deposits, uh, engage what I would call hot money uh, as well. Um, making sure that you're retaining your deposit, your sleepy depositors without waking them. You know, you don't want to pay higher yep. rates if you don't have to. But uh, a lot of things that we see first off is looking for balances in other accounts, like uh, checking your money market average balances and and recommending that they move into you know stickier products like a CD, you know, or or stair stepping into. Uh, uh, a money market if they have average balances in, in checking. I still, though, see a lot of institutions that uh, focus either, they may still have super low rates on money market, but higher rates on CDs. They're still trying to figure out what product to, to attract, you know, those depositors in. And then uh, the other is, you know, promoting um, uh, laddering on CDs uh, so that uh, the customer can feel more, uh, liquid, you know, so that they have different uh, expiration dates. Uh, also, you know, believe it or not, just engaging your active CD customers uh, or your uh, and making sure that you understand the ones that are sleepy, you know, through how engaged they are with your institution uh, and perhaps uh, just nurturing them through financial wellness and, and health. And, uh, and maybe you don't offer them a renewal rate, but the ones that you can tell are are more likely to, to leave because they may not have other products or services with you, then you nurture them, but then you offer them a renewal rate that might not be advertised, you know, so that you're trying to, to keep them. Uh, it's easier for them to auto renew into a newer, you know, a little higher rate than it is to leave and, and move over to the, the next institution offering 505, you know, or, or whatever. So. so those customers are sleepy until they're not. Um, <laughs> creates a new challenge. So, how can financial institutions balance the use of internal and external data with a desire to prioritize customer privacy? So how do, how do you see organizations maybe explain it to their customers, but how do you explain it to the financial institutions, the balancing of those dynamics of uh, personalization and privacy? So that is a, a great uh, question because, you know, with my background, I come from a uh, – you know, organizations where we had access to all of the data, we stayed PCI compliant, all those types of things to, to be able to leverage that data. Uh, but just that PCI compliance is astronomically expensive to maintain that. And so uh, fintechs, you know, and total expert, we aren't interested in spending millions of dollars to stay PCI compliant every year. And so we've been able to find innovative ways to still get uh, that segmentation and, and get customization without having to, to know, uh, you know, account numbers and uh, tax IDs and, you know, all this very detailed information. And uh, the way you can do it is it's a balance of what I would call uh, uh, older methodology and newer methodology. You know, segmentation has been around uh, probably since uh, cavemen. Yeah. Uh, and so when they were mar marketing, you know, and so, uh, segmentation is still very relevant, you know, age, income, you know, profit segments, consumer segments, all that stuff is, is still super relevant. Uh, and then what you're able to do is uh, put on top of that. So 
we take the, the data, uh, very simple uh, information, uh, excluding all of the uh, you know, tax IDs and uh, account numbers, and then uh, segment that information uh, with uh, census data, age, income, you know, as I mentioned before. Uh, and then uh, as long as you do have some PII data like a home address, then you can start to to match up to you know credit data and MLS and life events and some of the these other things that the third party data providers really have been offering for my whole career, but now they're becoming even more relevant and they're uh, starting to offer it in new ways like where it's API. Now you're not pulling a massive data dump. Uh, of all of your customers or members, which also uh, adds compliance concerns. You're only reaching out and getting that one customer or member data at the time you need it. You know, so that has uh, really helped as well. So what are some innovative solutions or trends that financial institutions should be watching? Yeah, so uh, uh, that I, I feel like is a tricky question. So I, right now, as uh, most people in banking credit, you know, it's conference season. So I've been uh, traveling around and speaking at different conferences. And, you know, the easy answer to that is uh, generative AI. I mean, that's what everybody's talking about. Uh, but I would argue that if you don't have a data strategy across your organization, you should be focused on that versus generative AI. You, you can't boil the ocean if you don't have a pot first, you know, so. <laughs> well you, you know, I like that. Yeah. Let's uh, start, uh, you know, with, with small steps. Um, the, the thing is that financial institutions, a couple things have benefited. One free money has allowed us to grow just by opening our doors. We were trying to handle the volume. We weren't having to try super right. hard, you know, and uh, we were trying to, you know, balance risk and liquidity and, you know, all those types of things. Uh, and that was a big thing for us. Well, now we're having to, to try. And we've always looked at data as a liability in financial services. I don't want anybody to have access to the data that shouldn't have access. And the B2C fintechs out there, they look at it as an asset. And so we have to shift to look at it as an asset. But that shift uh, doesn't start overnight. It's taking small steps. And then, you know, if you feel like you need to have generative AI because that's the trend, you know, put it in a chat bot, you know, in support, you know, or something to that nature versus starting to, to try to build these, you know, machine learning models. Uh, when, I mean, if you're one of the top five, great, you know, but if you're not, there's, there's probably work to do before you get to that. You know, the solutions of total effort seem like common sense in a time where every financial institution is looking to build better experiences and increase personalization and to start to build more engagement, you know, to really take that and make it so the customer knows, you know, them, you know, knows that you want to look out for them and knows you want to reward them. That said, not every one of your visits to financial institutions culminate in a sale. And even those that culminate in a sale, there are, I'm sure, roadblocks or barriers or hurdles that you face along the way as you implement. What gets in the way of success at financial institutions? How do banks and credit unions, you know, actually implement what you're talking about? And what have you seen make it so it's more difficult for you to implement what you thought should have been a slam dunk. That that is a, a great question. So first off is uh, 
culture is is usually the, the first. It, it's if the the institution has uh, recognized that it's time uh, to make the shift or not. You know, there are still a number of them out there uh, that uh, have not recognized that that time. I'm sure they will over the next 18 to 24 months, but you know, right now uh, they have not. Uh, and then there's still a lot of uh, uh, institutions out there that uh, when they're looking at deposits, as an example, which is a big topic, uh, are, are nervous about, you know, bringing in new deposits because of uh, hot money that may may leave. And they don't feel comfortable that they have good ways to, to engage uh, those customers or members to try to make it stickier. So that that's one uh, thing. And then the other is, uh, I think we all uh, at every organization, including financial institutions, get real busy doing things and focus on the impact or focus, uh, forget to focus on the reason why we have chosen to do that project in the first place, uh, which is the outcome, uh, not making sure that when I click a button, it turns purple. And so a lot of times uh, uh, they get marred down into the to the weeds or we get marred down in the weeds and forget to, to remember to focus on the outcomes. I mean, the reason why you're selecting a new platform as a financial institution uh, isn't because uh, one, you're bored or two, you know, you want to make sure that when you click a button, it does something. You've got a need, a business need that you're trying to solve. You need to engage your customers or members. You need to grow you know, all those types of things. And so focus on those outcomes and then build it in. Like we were talking about earlier, time to value. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's, you know, you bring it up, culture and leadership, that a lot of organizations may check the box and say they want something. But they really, as you mentioned, haven't thought through what that means, you know, and, and why they want to do that. And, you know, we all use legacy excuses that get in the way. It may be our data's not clean or we don't have the budget, or we're worried about, as you mentioned, hot money, when really it's only hot if you don't do anything with the relationship once you get it. Um, you know, it, it's, yeah, every every transaction's hot. A transaction that I do with my grocery store, a transaction uh, going out to dinner, it, it's going to be a one-time event unless you make it special. And we forget about the fact that now with digital tools and technology that is just astounding and solution providers like Total Expert that we forget that this is what makes it so relationships can be built as opposed to being a single product or a, a simply an add-on at high cost. You know, it's our responsibility to use the data that's available to make it so we keep it, to make it so we retain it and build loyalty. So finally, James, what suggestions would you give all financial institutions today? Where should they start their journey? Yeah, so uh, first off, uh, I want to add a little bit to what you said. The I can't tell you how many uh, institutions reach out to us looking for a CRM. And I personally can't stand the term CRM uh, because it means so many different things to so many different yep. people. Uh, and so uh, the first question is, uh, what do you really, why are you looking for a CRM? Uh, we aren't a CRM, uh, nor do we want to be a CRM when we grow up. Uh, we want to, to focus on outcomes. Uh, and yes, we may have some CRM functionality, um, but 
uh, we don't want to be a sales reporting and accountability tool. We we want to be a tool that helps you engage your customers and members. Yep. Uh, but uh, that is it becomes a big blocker because uh, when you ask, well, why do you want a CRM? Well, because everybody else has a CRM. I mean, there's no good answer, you know. Uh, and that's kind of that that same uh, what we were just talking about. The, the institutions, uh, when they come to us, or if even if they don't come to us, it doesn't matter if you don't come to us, you, know, you should be focused on uh, things are going to get slower before they get better. And yes, uh, now uh, net interest income and, and fee income uh, have uh, been a, become a balance about a year or two ago for the first time in years. Uh, but those transactions are going to slow down. Consumers are living off of credit cards right now, and, and that bubble is going to burst at, at some point. Uh, and uh, it, you've got to get ahead of it, and, and you've got to start finding ways to engage your customers and members and grow, whether you choose total expert or not is beside the, the point, uh, because the cream's going to rise to the top, and you'll see a lot of mergers and acquisition activity uh, that'll occur uh, for the ones who don't. And, and so uh, it's important to be thinking about these things. And right now it is uh, very easy to focus on cutting expenses. Super easy. I mean, that's what we naturally do. Uh, but you can't cut your way to high performance. Uh, and a good, good friend of mine that you know as well, Fabio Biasella, yep. uh, he taught me a long time ago that you can't cut your way to high performance. Uh, it's about how much revenue you can generate for every dollar you spend. The highest performers uh, don't uh, cut expenses. They generate more revenue for every dollar they spend. And so that's going to be more important than, than ever uh, because uh, banks and credit unions have benefited by having multiple levers to pull. But in a down economy like this that's continuing to extend in weird ways, those levers are starting to, to dry up. You got compliance and regu regulation continuing to increase, you know, all those things. It's just, uh, it's a pressure cooker. Uh, and uh, we, we've got to be making, just focus on taking a step forward, lay out a plan and take one step forward. It, that's so key. And as you said, no matter who you work with, you, you, you have to move forward. You have to use data to build better engagement, to build better solutions for, on the customer's behalf. And, you know, you, you kind of underset it, but, but not look at simply cutting costs, because if you work on the revenue side of the relationship, what can be built, you're going to, that's a better path to, to success because it's longer lasting. It's, it avoids the hot money syndrome that you brought up. So James, Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your insights. And I hope people look at Total Expert as a possible um, option for them as they try to build better experiences and relationships with their customers. Thanks again. Uh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we've received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been the production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Hassage, audio engineer, Chris Fasalius, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Remember, the ability to truly know each customer and engage them in meaningful ways at the right times 
will be the key to success in the future. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.